welcome to Scrape the Podcast. Here we support community, raise awareness, and promote equality. What up, family? This is Sean Denman, and I'd like to welcome you to Scrape the Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Mari Pardon, and we are so excited to come together and meet y'all. That's right. This is episode number uno, number one. <laughs> so we're here to just talk about what Scrape the Podcast is, what we're trying to do with this podcast, a little bit about who we are, where we come from, and uh, where we would like to see this go. And we figured that there is no better time than now to begin encouraging these types of conversations and help people come together and realize that we share a lot more in common than what we may think. That's right. We're here to try to put the unity back in community. We're here to try to get grounded and we're here to try to put a platform together for people to talk about things that may be a little uncomfortable to talk about. So I hope you guys enjoy our podcast. And uh, again, this is a podcast for the people, by the people. SCRAPE is an acronym that Mari and I have come up with. It stands for support community, raise awareness, and promote equality. Scrape the podcast is something that we've wanted to do for a long time. We have a lot of things that we like to talk about and we want to get people involved as well. One of the biggest pieces to what we envision this podcast doing is really tying back into another thing that we're doing together and that's called Scrape the Paint. And some of you may know about Scrape the Paint. I am sort of active on social media, <laughs> but I'm trying to do better, y'all. Yeah, we'll get better, we promise. <laughs> but Scrape the Paint is actually something that I started back in 2011. While I was in college, I took my first women's studies class. And y'all, like that stuff changed my life. <laughs> I couldn't believe how much that changed my experience. Scrape the Paint started out of those classrooms and with those teachers. Really what it started as was actually a photo project. And I had a really great friend, her name's Roshni. Hi Roshni. What up Roshni? (laughs) And she and I were just so passionate about challenging the standards of beauty in the US. We were realizing like, as women in the United States, and frankly, women anywhere, we were at a really big disadvantage when it came to standards of beauty and those expectations that are placed on women. And we just decided, why not do a project to try and promote body positivity and really inspire people to redefine beauty on their own terms? being a black male in this uh, country and this society growing up what i've noticed is there's a lot of things that are set up to try to keep myself and people like me in oppressed situations so mari's touching on what she and her friend went through and kind of noticed while starting scrape the paint it's kind of something similar that i've noticed and recognized that hey this is another group of individuals that are being systematically held back and oppressed. It's very important for these things to be talked about and, and for us to scrape back these layers, as Mari said, to try to get to the core and figure out, hey, once we figure all this out, we'll figure out we're more alike than we are different. It's very, it's very deep how these systems and these things are in place that keep us in certain conditions, keep us held back, keep us thinking certain things about ourselves 
which perpetuate how we live and how we think about the world and then gets handed on down to our, our kids and, and generations to come. So we're here to try to say, hey, that's that's how it was back then. This is a new day. We're transitioning to a whole new world, a whole new time. And we want people to join us, come together, tell us your story, everyone has one, and say what's on your mind. Hopefully, you'll continue to join us as we promote unity through dialogue. The podcast component is really just a starting place. It's a safe space for anybody to come, whether you come from a different religion, a different background, different country. This is a place where we can really peel back those layers and get to the core of who we are and redefine for all of us how we want to engage and connect because the systems that are in place currently aren't working for everyone. They're not working for many of us. And if they're not working and we're not talking about it, we aren't going to be able to improve our experiences and promote community in a way that's positive. We're always going to be fighting against one another. That's right. That's how we keep going in this almost like a hamster wheel, right? So I encourage people of all different backgrounds, all different races, ages, religious beliefs, political beliefs, talk to us. Tell us your story. We want to know. This is, again, a safe space. And this is a space where we can meet someone that we would never have approached in face-to-face, everyday life. This is a space where people can ask the questions that are too difficult for them to ask in person because they might be afraid or they might have went through something in the past that says, hey, you're not supposed to speak up here. This is not your time to talk or just having that openness, that freedom to say, hey, this is what I've been through. This is what I've experienced. And hey, we're more alike than we are different. I keep saying that, but it's true. It, It really is true. What we want to do in this very first episode is kind of introduce ourselves, let you guys know who we are, give you an idea of where we came from, some things we might have been through that led us down this path to where we crossed paths and decided, let's do the script, the podcast. Would you like to go first? Absolutely. I came from a small farming town in Ohio. It was predominantly white communities, a lot of self-proclaimed rednecks with their big trucks and people would drive their tractors to school and high school. Can I ask you a question? For sure. Did you see a lot of confederate flags? Yes, a lot of confederate flags. That's what I picture when you say that. Right, yeah. You know, it's not as much as I saw when we moved to Tennessee later in high school, but it was definitely more than you'd expect in Ohio, I guess, because, I mean, it's not even in the South. Right, so right. It was definitely a different experience, and I didn't know any different. That's where I grew up. In my family, you would have never seen a Confederate flag, but my dad was in the Air Force and then transitioned into law enforcement, and he was really great at his job. Like super good at his job. He was very proud of what he did. And we were proud that he was our dad. And what I realized is that as wonderful as my dad was, you know, there were things that I noticed even as a young person that didn't quite sit well with me. For instance, just to give you an example, he would say things like, I'm not racist, but I think that we should all just stick to our own kind. I've only seen white people through movies, TV, media. I maybe had one or two white friends growing up, but they were in the neighborhood. So 
my idea of white was privileged, rich, wealthy, living in nice homes, everything catered to and taken care of. And I even remember as a young child seeing commercials on TV saying, oh man, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could ride my bike over to my friend's large house with a swimming pool and and their mom brings out sandwiches and lemonade. That was stuff you dreamed of as a little kid, a, a little kid coming up in the hood, so. I could see how you could look at maybe my white family and think, oh, they have it all together. Right. We had a really nice house and we always had food in the fridge and things were always, to the outside world, really great. Mm. And then transition to my mom's house, which was only a few miles away mm. and then another small town nearby. And we would oftentimes only have rice for dinner because that was the only food we had. And our fridge was empty and our house was cold because we couldn't keep the heat on or just those experiences that as a child you don't fully understand, but you can see that there's some very big differences between how your mother, a woman, is living and what her experience is like and the struggle she faces versus a man who is not only a white male, but also a police officer and what privileges come with that Hmm. as a white male who has a lot of power and pull. So it's just very interesting to me, however many years later, I'm now a mother of three biracial children in a relationship with a black man from Minneapolis. (laughs) Just because we grow up in a certain environment we can still define who we are and we can still choose to step out of those patterns. That's right. That's right. And even as you spoke about your background a little bit and your childhood, you made the comment about your your dad saying, I'm not racist, but I think we should stick to our own kind. I've heard the same thing. Don't bring home a white girl. And as a black male being told, don't bring home a white girl, it's more of don't involve yourself with white people or white Mm. women because it's a danger to your life. You might get, you know, I don't know, accused of something that you didn't do or someone might see you that disagrees with what you're doing and might bring harm to you. I don't know the reasoning behind your father telling you not to date black men, but I'm sure it's a similar fear that they have about the other race. And assumptions made about all black men or all black people right all white people yep exactly and even just that fear driven mindset you can't connect with people if you're afraid of them oh yeah this is all we know this is the the misconceptions that i put in our head because that was told to her when she was a child i'm sure Mm -hmm. like you don't mess with white people leave them alone if you see them coming your way walk the other way you know don't make eye contact but just to tell everyone a little bit about myself i'm a black male raised in minneapolis a single mother, there's three of us in a small three-bedroom apartment. I, w- I wouldn't say we were poor, poor, but we didn't have a lot. So mm-hmm. my mom did always make sure we had our essential needs met. She would work two jobs at times, leaving me and my brother home alone. There'd be times where she would cook us food and just sit there and watch us eat because there wasn't enough. And I'm wow. like, hey, mom, you know, you got to eat something. She's like, don't worry about me. I'm fine. I'm just making sure that we were we were good as kids. It's very powerful what women can do. She raised two black men. We're not in jail. We're not dead. We're not hooked on drugs. We're we're successful in our own right because we're here. We still have an opportunity to do the things we want to do. 
I also have a, a younger sister who she's taking care of. Black women, they have it stacked against them from day one, but amazing. They are amazing. Women in general are amazing. I experienced racism at a very young age. I remember being maybe six or seven at a parade, trying to get some candy. I accidentally stepped on a, a white guy's foot. His response was, watch it, you little nigger. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just trying to get candy. Another incident where I'm being chased around the mall at 10 years old by two white kids. And you don't really think of it as racism as kids because you're just like, wow, people can be assholes. So why are they doing this to me? But as I get older and older and start to realize, oh, this is why, this is exactly it. I'll never forget these things happening. And it carries over into being a teenager, getting pulled over by the police because they say I look too young to drive. And I had my license, I had my insurance. They just wanted to pull me over just to see who I was. Those experiences, they really weigh on you coming up. It's funny how you had your perception growing up about law enforcement and mine was the total opposite as a black male police are taught hey if you see this if you see a group of males intervene they look suspicious everyone's a suspect again it weighs on you i've been handcuffed and beaten by police i've been arrested for no reason i've spent time in jail for no reason i went to court the next day and the judge asked what are you here for i said i don't know they made a call looked at it everybody and five minutes later I said okay let them go and it's like okay well that was a night in jail I spent, why? For no reason. That kind of led me to pursue a degree in criminal justice. I said, hey, if I can't beat them, I'll join them. And I was literally going to be a police officer until I contacted the Minneapolis Police Department and said, hey, I just got my criminal justice degree, interested in becoming a police officer, but I have some things on my background because of the situation I was put into and the things that I did. I was told by this person, even if you have these good qualifications, we're probably going to go with someone else based off your background. And wow. it just was a deterrent, like, oh, okay. So you're telling me I can have these high scores and I can be this great officer, but based on things that happened in my past, you will skip over me and give it to someone else. That set me back, but I kept fighting and I worked for many years as an advocate for people that have criminal backgrounds, helping them find housing, jobs. Let me try to help others get out of this situation. It's tough out there, you know, being a black man, but I'm not gonna sit here and watch other people go through things that are unnecessary. And when you've gone through those experiences and you've gotten to the other side in some ways, and you've worked through and gotten past certain patterns in your own life, you hate to see other people struggling through those same exactly. situations. Exactly. And I can see how that really ties in to how our two journeys meet. Even though we have so many very obvious differences, my experience happened for a reason. I went through a lot of the things that I went through throughout my life, dealing with everything from a struggle with self-image, struggle with eating disorders, depression, anxiety. By 2009, I already had my first child. I was unmarried and I entered into a continued relationship with that same person out of this obligation because I had been taught my whole life that a family is a man and a woman married and you need to make it work. 
Right. There was just this push to do the right thing, to do the right thing, to do the right thing. And I could just hear my dad in the back of my mind just so hard on myself that it, in, it influenced the decisions that I made as a young adult. Here I am. By 2012, I have my third child with a man that we are in a very difficult relationship. Both of us are very unhealthy. It was abusive in a lot of ways. And even in those moments, the fact that he was a black male, I had to start realizing my whiteness. Mm-hmm. Y'all, like white people don't even have to acknowledge race at all. Our whole lives we can go without even acknowledging it, with the exception of reading about civil rights when we're in school. Right. The little bit they tell. <laughs> right. The little bit that they teach us about MLK and Rosa Parks and maybe a little tidbit about Malcolm. But for the most part, we're talking about the same figures and we're not really giving a clear picture of what happened in that history. So most of us white people, whether we like to admit it or not, we can avoid that conversation about race most of our life. So here I am as a young woman trying to figure out my life and I'm not only realizing that there are so many things that are inequitable when it relates to being a woman, but I am now concerned about my black children and fearing for my son and my daughters. That's something that I didn't have to face until I became a parent. That's right. That's right. These experiences, these life experiences and these traumas that we went through, these are the layers that we're referring to. Uh, when we say scrape the paint, scrape back these layers of, of what made us who we are to this day. All these things that happened to us, me and you, whether it was necessary, unnecessary, it, it makes us who we are. It creates a view of the world out there. If we scrape back all these layers, as we've been saying, and get back to the core of who we really are, we'll see, okay, when we were kids, we played together regardless of what you look like. I don't care if you're white, black, red, yellow, purple, as long as you were a good person, as long as you were cool, I'm cool with you. So Mm -hmm. let's get back to the point where we're just scraping back these layers, these experiences. And I'm sure a lot of people that say things about, oh, black people are this, black men treat their women like this, or white people are like this, have had some kind of experience or something happened to them or someone close to them based off one or two experiences or the media. Or the media, of course, you know, which is a whole other topic. And, mm-hmm. But that makes you have these perceptions of people and, and ideals of what other people are without getting to know people. And that's another reason why we've created this Scrape the Podcast is so we can have these conversations. People can email us with ideals or topics they want to talk about with stories. I would love for someone that's total opposite from me, Republican, Trump supporter, who has racist ideologies, let's have a conversation. I would love that. That's that's exactly what we want. We want to connect people and I guarantee we'll start to figure out, hey, we're more common than we thought we were. To that point, we can bridge a gap across communities that in so many ways, historically, were impossible before. We're coming into this new generation of thinkers and people who are ready for a transition out of the old way. That's right. We are ready to connect with others, speak about our traumas, 
reparent ourselves, work through the pains that have perpetually been a problem generation after generation, regardless of what background we have, and come together and find that peace and get grounded once again in who we are. And I love the way you talk about when we're younger and how we'll play with anybody. As long as you're nice, we'll play together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. See, there's no racism. There's no the homophobia. Yeah, there's no xenophobic. Right. Like, it's not there. There's an innocence there that, I mean, we're trying to get back to. Yeah. We all want to be able to raise our children up and raise the next generation up in a peaceful and loving and compassionate environment. That's right. I can't think of any person that I've met that would say that they hope the opposite. Exactly. So if we can find a way to have these conversations, create that safe space where people can come together and talk about tough stuff. That's right. And work through it in a way that's productive and positive with the future in mind. I think we could really do some great things and we can really be everything that was envisioned for us at the start of the civil rights movement and long before that we have the perfect opportunity right now All right to make the difference that we we've said a million times you've probably heard people say it before if slavery were happening now i wouldn't stand for it i would do something about it if the holocaust were going on now i would do something about it i would never let this happen and instead of sitting on the sidelines we're really wanting to inspire people to step up and say Let's not stand for how things are anymore. That's right. Let's get back to community, like we were saying. I remember a time when you walked down the street in your block and you knew all your neighbors. You knew them by name. You weren't afraid to interact with them, go to their houses and talk with them. I'm not just talking about a few city blocks. I mean, I want the whole country to come together as a community, the whole world to come together as a community of people to say, hey, you don't have it, I got you this person doesn't have it over here, let's go help them. That's what we originally were here to be like. We've gone to a more of an individualistic society where it's, I gotta get mine. I don't really care about what you're doing over there. I need the biggest house. I need the fastest car. That person can starve as long as me and my family are eating. And that's that's sad, that's sad. And I think that that's a product of this system that's been created. I mean, this is all a deliberate attempt to keep people in oppressive situations. This is a deliberate attempt to keep people in a position of poverty and fear, unable to progress and move forward. If y'all are ready, we're ready. We're excited that you're here with us. And we just hope that in even the small way, we can help inspire you to seek new ways of understanding one another, engaging across difference, unify in your small communities, which will lead to some really incredible changes. So a couple things that I feel like we need to talk about that we haven't really touched on is the art element of what we're doing. As much as Scrape the Paint in the beginning was the photography project, we've now transitioned more into using art as a platform to draw awareness to issues. And this isn't just about race. This isn't just about gender. The things that we're drawing attention to are all the pieces and areas of inequality and injustice that we're facing currently in present times. That's right. If you go to our website, scrapethepaint.com, you can see some of the art Mari has been working on. 
And again, it's to spark that conversation so people can see it and they can think to themselves, what is that? What is this person wearing that for? What does it mean? From there, we can start to talk about this is what it's about. This is what it means to me. Bringing people together. We are at a time right now where a uh, social distance thing going on, isolation. I think this is one of the best times right now to come together and to say, hey, let's start talking about these things. It's very important. We're, we're stepping into a whole new generation, a whole new wave of thinkers, a way of getting things accomplished that we haven't in the past. We invite anyone and everyone to join us on this mission. Just so that you're all in the loop on kind of what to expect from us going forward, we are going to talk about a lot of different topics. That's right. And some of our topics are really going to be fun and we're going to explore ideas and concepts together. And some of those conversations are going to be those difficult problems that we're facing right now. We have to talk about it. We'll talk about things from COVID-19 and this upcoming election. We'll talk about homophobia. We'll talk about mental health because that's something that we don't talk about enough. We'll talk about sexuality and we'll continue to talk about current events through the lens of love, respect, and honoring one another's experience and story and doing our best to connect people through that love. That's right. We want to do whatever we can to bring people together. Don't forget to go to our website, scrapethepaint.com. And follow us at Scrape the Paint on Instagram. We will have other social media platforms very soon, we promise. Thanks a lot for joining us. We got more episodes to come, so please stay tuned. We love you all. Stay blessed and take care of one another. Peace out.